If you were in San Francisco and looking for some stimulating fintech content, November was the month to remember as Mambu held a get-together to talk about the topic of open banking. On this special episode of Bankadelic, we'll recap the event for you with some live audio captured by our friends, the bootleggers? From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate, actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks for tuning into Bankadelic for this special episode coverage of the Mambu Meetup in San Francisco. And I'll tell you, when it comes to fintech movers and shakers, Mambu belongs right on the top of the list. We've got some great friends over there. And to tell us about the event, he was there live as part of a presentation on open banking. We have contrarian extraordinaire fintech meister rob gainer rob welcome thanks for stopping by hey lou now if you can for everyone just give us a sense of what the event was and what made it a great event to be at you know we had a great event working with mambu covering the open banking topic in san francisco they had a a large audience of attendees There were fintechs, there were banks, some industry pundits and executives all there to talk about open banking and to learn about the topic and also to learn a little bit about how Mambu is helping to further that goal of open banking and making things a reality in that space with their products, their technologies and their worldwide efforts. You know, we've had Robin Smith from Mambu on Bankadelic before. I understand he did a great job out there. Robin did a great job. The Mambu team was wonderfully represented and people really enjoyed the event as well as the reception. And it was in such a cool venue. And San Francisco is such a great place to be talking about this topic, this really deep and rich topic of open banking. Oh, 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 Rob, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt but we've got some bootleg audio of some bootleggers who thought the mambu event was a grateful dead concert or maybe they thought the grateful dead would be interested in purchasing these tapes hey man did you get into the show dude i totally got into the show this is the mambu event we're talking San Francisco, 11, 16, 22, and I got soundboards. Was it hard to like get into the event? Like, was it super crowded? I was able to sneak in kind of the back, come in through the back entrance. You know, San Francisco, it's like crazy alley street access. <laughs> I was able to get in the back and set up, get in the event. Nobody stopped me whatsoever. Whoa. They were a little freaked out when I set up, you know, the shotgun mics, but I talked my way through it. 
And then they actually gave me the lead to the soundboard, dude. I've got soundboard bootlegs from the Mambu Show 11-16-22. Open banking on tape. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just, it blew my mind. This is just one of the best recordings I've ever done. Good evening, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for coming out. Um, a few folks are still working their way through the cocktail bar, which is great. Uh, we appreciate everybody being here. Um, I'm Robin Smith, and I'm uh, Vice President of North America for Mambu uh, that's hosting this event, and uh, we really appreciate you being here. This is our third meetup this year. The first one we had was around small business banking uh, in New York. Uh, then uh, we went to Austin, Texas, and had a great time uh, in Austin talking about the metaverse. And so today, uh, we're supposed to be talking about open banking, which I love because when I was asked about talking about open banking, it reminded me of a letter that I got from my uncle when he died, right? My uncle leaves me this letter, right? And it's sealed. And so immediately what you do is you open it, right? I open the letter and there's a safe deposit box key in it. It falls out. I go, wow, there's got to be something here. Right, so I stand around and I wait for the bank to open. Again, open. This is what I thought we were gonna be talking about. So I wait till the bank opens, I go in, I get signed in through security, I get back to the safe deposit boxes, and I get to open the box and go to a special place to look at it. I open that box and there's an envelope inside of that. And I'm thinking, he's left me a fortune, right? I open it and what falls out is a piece of paper and he says, the future is all yours. Your lucky numbers are six, 10, and 13. That's not what we're supposed to be talking about, is it, Sheree? Okay, I, I just thought it was about open. But seriously, we're gonna talk about open banking today, share some thoughts with you. I have with me a good friend, Rob Gaynor, uh, who is with Contrarian, uh, which is a great consulting firm. Uh, that's not his last name when you get a chance to meet him uh, over drinks. Uh, Rob Gaynor is his real name, based out of Austin, Texas. Great background in both banking and technology, in that he's worked with companies uh, that you may be familiar with, like Finastra and Malazai, but also been on the banking side of the equation with folks like Union Bank of California. So it's great to have Rob here. He's going to really do the moderation for today's session and, and ask the questions, and we'll try to you know, share some information that we feel is relevant to you know, the topic of open banking, not just in the United States, but globally. So Rob, let me turn it to you. I appreciate that. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming. I don't have a funny story, but I do wanted to, I wanted to share something, though, which is this flight that I came to San Francisco on... Um, I passed a million miles on United Airlines. So I am now a million miler. Now, that, is that sad or what? I mean, like, that's right. I have permanent status. I never have to fight, like, take a flight on December 25th to Seattle so I make sure I qualify. Who's done that? Come on, let me see a show of hands. Anyway, um, no, open banking is a, <clears throat> it's really a passion of mine because I, as, as Robin had alluded to, coming from the traditional digital banking and core banking world, where things were exactly the opposite of open. I love to see companies like Mambu and what they're doing with this kind of technology approach. So um, it's fun to participate, and I appreciate everybody coming today. So let's start by defining a little bit what this topic means and how you actually look at open banking and who benefits from it. So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's start with the definition, Robin. 
um, and give us a little bit of an overview, and I'll add color commentary to that as you go along. What is open banking? What is open banking? So let me ask the audience a question, and I'll try to see your hands uh, to get an res audience response here. I don't have little clickers that you can uh, zap us with or anything, but uh, how many of you use something like Venmo? Okay. So how many of you? 80% of the audience. Audience, okay. <laughs> how many of you use TurboTax? Okay. How about Apple Pay? Ooh, a lot of Apple Pay users, right? Bay Area probably has something to do with that. Know it or not, you know, you're participating in the open banking framework when you use those kinds of tools to process financial transactions. Now, they may be doing it different ways, but you're basically participating in what would be referred to in most quarters as the open banking framework because those are all tools that we use as consumers or as small businesses to basically facilitate financial transactions across multiple platforms, across multiple you know, receivers of money as well as sending money. Uh, so those are all the things that make up you know, open banking. And it really is a concept of taking out the friction you know, between both you know, buyers, sellers, providers, senders, taking out that friction you know, and making that, you know, a choice that you have, you know, in terms of how you, you know, perform financial transactions. Yeah, and making things easier for the vendors, making things easier for ultimately the consumers, right? You and I talked about that. When we were talking about the European example of how much progress they've made, taking a slightly different approach to things, talk to us about that a little bit. Um, also, because you all have had a lot of exposure to that being a company that came out of Europe. Correct. As Rob says, we're an Amsterdam-based company, and most of our roots are founded in Europe uh, in large part. That's the largest part of our business uh, globally. And we are also very have a very strong presence in, in Asia, uh, both of which have embraced open banking for the last several years. Now, they've embraced it for different reasons, and there's different drivers behind that, you know, that, that are taking place. In the European uh, economy, it was basically mandated. It was regulated. Um, you know, PSD2 uh, and another number of other uh, you know, regulations were passed in Europe that basically forced the institutions in Europe to embrace open banking and to create platforms that enabled open banking. Uh, in the U.S., not surprisingly enough, um, you know, particularly with some of the different political regimes we've had over the last 20 years, uh, not a lot of regulatory pressure on the topic of open banking. And the opposite, as I was saying, you build a digital banking platform, we had I was joking with Robin, we had 144 interfaces. And as you said, there were 144 different interfaces. Correct. Doing Correct. basically the same thing 144 different ways. You yep. know, like the, the antithesis, I think, of what they've done in Europe. And so what, is, what does all that mean, right? Uh, I mean, if you look at folks like, you know, the, the environment Rob's come from, from a vendor perspective, uh, Mambu as a provider, um, you know, there's two principles that have pretty much driven uh, the way that providers and, you know, financial institutions have operated. And the financial institution has traditionally been considered uh, the data, uh, excuse me, the uh, data controller. In, in, the, in, the, in the life of a financial transaction, that they're the ones that control what happens with the data, how it gets processed, where it gets processed, the manner it gets processed. And we, uh, as, a, as a Mambu, or as other companies like Finastra, have been considered the data processor. What open banking really brings into the picture now is this concept of data custodian. right? Where you, as the consumer of the small business, are the owner of the data. So you are the data controller, right? 
no longer the financial institution. You are the data controller, and you say what can be done with this data, how it can be used, where it can be used, who can have access to it, right? And now it puts the financial institution into the position of being the data custodian. So they're having to do what you tell them to do in what you would typically see as a custodian type relationship. We still operate as a data processor and most providers still operate as a data processor, but it really brings that third element into the equation. And again, in Europe it's been mandated, in Canada it's been mandated, there's other geographies it's been mandated in. In the US, it hasn't been mandated, but it's definitely you know a, a very rapidly evolving trend because it's being driven by you, the consumer, as well as the technology companies that are trying to disintermediate you know, traditional financial institutions. So if you're a fintech in the Bay Area trying to you know, uh, you know, create small business loans, right, your ability to work with a, with, a, with a customer and be able to get that customer's data as part of the transaction, they're trying to take that friction out. And they're driving you know, consumers and banks to start to have to do more of that. Well, I like how you articulate it puts the consumer in charge of their data, you know, which is definitely when we think of the all the recent trends, Web 3.0, everything is talking about, you know, the data being more in the control of individuals um, and a platform that enables that to happen. Right. Like whether it's a standardized platform like what we saw in Europe or a technology platform like a core banking system, it has to enable that kind of open ecosystem. Right. To pull that off for the consumer. Um, how um, how do you address that? I mean, how, how, I mean, not you, Robin. You know, how does the industry address that? Right, yeah. a, a de novo bank, a, a really cool fintech. You know, how are they going to make that happen? So it's a great question. Um, you have to kind of ask yourself, I mean, what we talked about is the why of open banking, right? There's a lot of reasons why, you know, there's a demand for open banking, but there's a whole lot of different ways to how you do it. Okay, um, you know some of the examples that I asked about earlier. When you look at the earliest versions of Venmo, or you look at the earliest versions of TurboTax, think back on the days when, because um, most people would not consider this to be open banking, but think back on the days when you would apply for a mortgage and your mortgage lender would say, uh, "I want you to upload your last three years of tax returns. I want you to upload your last, um, you know, uh, pay statements for the last, you know, five pay periods or whatever their criteria were. I want you to." upload your property insurance information. That's kind of the early stage, the most archaic way of participating in open banking. You've seen most people move away from that in terms of the technologies that they're using. If somebody's asking you to upload, you're probably thinking they probably still have an AOL.com email account, right? Uh, it's that old. Um, whereas Send it to Robin at AOL.com. AOL yeah. Um, you still have that. Adjustment. My mother still has that one, uh, and she's 93. Um, so, you know, that that's the kind of the, the original form of some of the open banking type concepts, you know, as you've seen the progression then, what you've started to see is, you know, um, the ability for institutions to not do the upload, but to do screen scraping. So when you think about companies like Plaid, right, when you think about companies that are asking you for your online banking credentials, right, or they're asking you for access to your bank information, many of them are screen scraping, right, their Mint is another good example, where they're going out to whoever you've provided financial institution information on, and they're scraping that information from what's been made available to them, right. The, the, the trend today 
is if you think about uploading as being the most archaic when the dinosaurs were roaming versus you know the next stage of screen scraping, the current trend is to use application program interfaces, APIs, right? Open APIs that enable that to be a very uh, simple, standardized process, which is what Mambu's built on as an API-first you know, strategy where all of our you know, components of the solution are available to our clients to not only use themselves for integration, but to make those things available to their clients as well. And the data is centralized. I mean, that's what I, I was telling Robin the story. As a banker, you know, like at Union Bank last, um, customer information sat in dozens of different places. There was no one place that was like the record of, you know, that was the record. And if we had to do something to do account information or to account information, which happened all the time on digital banking, um, it was a chore. You know, it took a long time to build out anything, right? It was we were we were hamstrung right by by the architect. Well, that's a great illustration. Um, you know, I know that in in the case that Rob was in, there was some 150 different places that customer information was out there in various you know systems of record. Um, the challenge, even with that environment, was even if you could maintain the consistency of that, it was siloed. It was siloed information. You know, the loan system had, you know, excuse me, the. 17 different loan systems. Yeah, it wasn't one loan system. <laughs> I wish it was one. You know, each had a customer name and record. The deposit systems all had a customer name and record, and they were all in very siloed applications spread throughout the bank. So where's the system of record from can a system I, of I truth standpoint? In digital banking, we, we did actually make it even worse, right? We, we held our own information. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and so what, what a lot of the open banking framework enables and what API enablement does is you may still have data sitting in multiple locations, but you take down those barriers, you take down those walls to make the information more accessible, more easily accessible, more maintainable, uh, not just for you as an institution, but also for your customers when they do business with you. So let's close on that a little bit. Talk about customer benefit um, and how, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, a cool fintech and I just built access to, you know, the, the greatest new de novo bank. They're sitting on Mambu or an, a like system that embraces open banking. You know, how do we close this down for that consumer and, you know, really show them the benefits of what this brings to them? So I think of a couple of things that come to mind when you start when you to try and address that question. What's in it for me, right? What's yeah. in it for me as a consumer? Uh, a the ability to control the data, right? That I that I own my data, I control my data, I determine where it goes and also where it doesn't go, right? Um, and so, particularly in today's environment with um, security breaches, all the things that we read about in the press on a day-to-day -day basis, the ability for you to choose who your trusted providers are, who your trusted you know, partners are as a consumer, for you to be able to choose those and you want to send that information or you want to make that information available and you have control of that is one benefit. I think the second benefit to the consumer is they now start to have choices uh, to do business on a platform type level, right? And what I mean by that is that um, think about your last real estate buying experience as an example. It's one of the common ones that's used. Um, 
your sister-in-law is a real estate, you know, agent. Um, she helps you go shop for the property. Um, your, you know, brother-in-law is in the property insurance business, so you tap him on the shoulder and you get your property insurance. You know, you know somebody else that works at Bank ABC, and you've shopped rates on Bankrate.com, so you try to see if you can get that same rate. But you, as a consumer, are having to pull that transaction together. Right. In a lot of times past, you relied on a human being to do that. Right. Your agent, your real estate agent would help you facilitate that. Right. Within an open banking framework, think about the art of the possible where your financial institution or your primary financial provider could start to do that for you. Right. Through one stop shopping, they could not only help you identify the real estate agent, they could help you identify all of the other components that go into perfecting that real estate transaction, not just, you know, evaluating your credit and making you the loan. So through an open banking framework, through operating with a platform that is that is API um, na that's native API, API driven, you're, that institution is able to bring together a broader set of products and services for you uh, and hopefully provide you with that at a more economical cost and more efficient than it would take you to do it on your own. And, and all in one place. All right? in one place. So that's interesting. The, um, I love it. So open banking enabling the embedding of banking everywhere. Anywhere. Um, but I think embedded, that, Sherry, that'll be next topic, right? The, the next meetup, we'll do embedded banking, right? But it is kind of interesting. I mean, they're simultaneous, and they're, they're the same things in a lot of ways, right? And they're developed simultaneously in terms of the, when you're open, um, you're usually embedding what you do and going to where the business is, you know? Uh, we talked a lot about that back in the days I used to work at Intuit, you know, you... You, you you go where the consumers want you to go, right? And a lot of times we haven't had that technical advantage. You know, as a banker and a, a technologist, I know I don't look that old, but I've been around a while. Having this kind of capability is, is amazing. Absolutely. All right, well, excellent. Um, thank you very much, sir. This has been enlightening. Appreciate it. We explored a little bit of the topic. Sherry, are we going to do a question and answer? Do you want to see if there's any questions from anybody in the audience? And... Um, we can pass the mic around. I don't know. Anybody? Where do you think the regulators are when it comes to open banking? Because given my background and my experience, it's the regulators. Any comments on that? And when you, so the question about how, where's the regulators thinking more about in the U.S. specifically? Of course, we're okay. in the U.S. Robin, you want to take that? So I, I'll take a, a current in-day in -day news story, right? For the last two weeks, we've watched the meltdown of crypto, probably the least regulated financial instrument yeah. you know, in the country, much less the world, okay? And quote-unquote from the, from the chairman of the SEC um, less than a year ago in a panel discussion that, that I was part of at University of Central Florida, made the statement he didn't think the, that the Securities and Exchange Commission needed any new regulations, that everything was good, that everything was stable, and that there weren't any problems that required regulatory oversight. Yeah. Go back and look at the last couple of weeks, and what do you think? 
okay? Uh, what do those shareholders of FTX or others think, okay? So I think you bring up a great point, right, is yeah. that um, we have not been in a, in a very tightly regulated, I mean, we've had our share of post-2008 regulations with, you know, things that happened post the real estate crisis, but it's pretty much stopped at that point in yeah. terms of ongoing regulatory type activity over these types of topics. Right. So I think as we see um, more activity with fintechs, with non-banks, with you know um, people that have not had the traditional uh, good faith and understanding sure. of a financial institution, we're going to see an increase in that. But obviously, a lot of that's going to depend on the political dynamics in Washington yeah. uh, to see that take place. No, thank you. So, I, if I can add one comment um, into that, you know, regulators also need education. Okay, they need to be educated. What's really happening in the real world? I've been involved in many conversations personally. Uh, I'm Bipin Sani. I work for Persistent Systems. I used to be an ex-banker, Wells Fargo, um, for 25 years. I ran. Head, I was head of innovation and R&D for the bank. So having dealt with regulators, you know, the, the San Francisco uh, Federal Reserve, San Francisco, is very much embedded in this conversation today. And the reason being, they actually want to know what the banks are looking at, what companies you're working with. And you know, going back to Mambu, the reason why we are here, Mambu was one of the first companies I brought into Wells Fargo seven, eight years ago. The point was I saw the value of what Mambu could do because my current core banking platform couldn't do it. So from that perspective, if you're, in the, if you're sitting here, think about it that way, API ready day one. Write him a check after be. this. Write him a check, right. sure. Well, and embracing standards, you know, the... Very true. Yeah. The, the regu I've been a banker long enough to know that it's very hard to standardize anything in the U.S., we're highly fragmented, but Robin, you said it. Once it happens here, it's going to happen at scale much quicker than everywhere else. For sure. I mean, it yeah. will come, and, and there are examples, yeah. but it's just harder to pull off, and, and it will happen. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, I, things I, like that. Take I mean, I, I actually, when my first presentation to the regulators in San Francisco was, I invited them to the office, and I said, here's the companies I'm looking at, and Mambu was in that list. No, that's the great. point was... Banks need to think differently. They cannot be stuck the way they have been stuck, right, in right. my mind. And Mambu's a perfect example of that. Yeah. I'll give you another example. In nine months, I've been uh, involved with a company called Persistent as I work for them. In nine months, we launched a digital bank from the scratch level with Mambu. I couldn't have done it with the you know, incumbents in the market. Right. So I feel there's core. a big value in what they do and how they you know, provide the services, right? And they have the right partners in the mix to make it happen. Oh, thank you. That's thank excellent you. comment. Any other questions? There's one over here. Thanks. Yeah, hi. Um, Craig Focardi with Sellant. We're the FinTech research arm of Oliver Wyman. Yep. Uh, the open banking question is probably more focused on how Mambu is going to respond and adapt to the development of open banking in the U.S. The, the context I'll give you, and you can add your own or challenge it, is that, you know, the U.S., I mean, the, the EU is, was got about 28 countries, but they have a European Union that tends to dri can drive things down with country agreement. In the U.S., we've got 50 states' rights and, and, the, U, and, and the federal government. And so here in California, interestingly, we have a California now consumer Privacy, privacy or protection agency that is related, helps support, not only protect consumers, but in, in that sense, support open banking. But 
what, what I'm hearing in f talking to my clients has to do with um, well, what's going to happen, how am I going to support individual states that are ahead of where the federal regulation is, and I need to manage different levels of consumer data openness in different states. So I guess my, my So these would be really, banks that are multi-state or multi-regional banks. Yes. And yes, they're correct. facing different regulation. Right. Maturing or, in California versus other or, states. Or will be, so they can innovate more quickly in, in California. But so my question really to, to, to Mambu is, you know, how can and will or do you you know, support open banking in an environment where open banking is likely to innovate at different, you know, paces within in different states. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, and we see the same thing, right? So you look at you look at some of the activities in crypto right now, as an example, right, where some of the special charter type activities taking place in places like Wyoming or Nevada, you know, where they're leading the, you know, they're leading those activities, you know, uh, in in those types of areas, while other state jurisdictions aren't, you know, for aren't embracing those types of innovations from a technology perspective. Um, if I was counseling a client. Um, it would be um, kind of a back to the future type of consultation, right? If you set your if you set your sights on the status quo, where you're at today, uh, you're going to find yourself behind the curve very, very quickly, right? That you ought to be looking at California, you ought to be looking at some of the other jurisdictions where open banking and concepts around it have, you know, taken hold and are getting traction and are being regulated, you know, to prepare yourself for when that is part of your world. And that if you don't, you're going to be behind not only from a regulatory perspective, but also from a customer expectation standpoint. You know, I have a good friend who's a CEO of a relatively small bank, $60 million bank, you know, in the heartland of Oklahoma, right? Um, that's a small bank, small traditional community bank, but yet recognizes that the future is, you know, different in terms of the kinds of products that you know customers are expecting him to offer, uh, looking at different aspects of um, whether it's you know digital asset type products or whether it's other things, and so he has set his sights at that level. He's saying I'm going to build to the highest common denominator, not the lowest. Right? I'm going to build my technology stack, even though I'm only a 60 million dollar bank, to meet those requirements. He's not a Mambu customer, by the way, so I'm not. You know, promoting that. I'm promoting what his vision is, is to say that if I'm in a $60 million bank and I'm going to compete against the behemoths of Bank of America and J.P. Morgan Chase and the others that are in his market, I'm going to have to meet them at their level, right, in some way, shape, or form. So I think that my view is you, you've got to look at what they're doing and then figure out how do you, how do you come up with a cost-effective, efficient way to do that. And trying to retrofit um, legacy software, legacy solutions, to make that happen is going to be very, very difficult. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of our viewpoint is right. We're trying to be the enabler of that type of vision, um, in that you know we provide a SaaS only native SaaS platform. Uh, that's the same platform that we provide in Romania. Is the same platform we provide in the United States. It's the same platform we provide in Singapore. It's one code base uh, that runs in the cloud. Um, and so we're developing to that standard, right? So we're going to develop to an open banking standard with our open APIs, regardless of the geography. And we think that's a long-term, you know, growth strategy for the company as well as for our clients. That's an open ecosystem. I mean, that's yeah. it. A great question. Thank you. Any other questions? We're good. We're good.
Okay. Well, listen, thanks, everybody. Robin, thank you. Appreciate thank you, the insights. Um, logistically, hang out, have another drink. There's going to be some more food. Um, we appreciate you coming. Thank you for taking time out of your afternoon to do that. Um, I know Mambu thanks you. I thank Mambu for thank hosting the event for us. The, the, the team, the Mambu team that's here and pulled off the event, really appreciate everything. It was done real well. Thanks. Um, and we got great weather, didn't we? I love San Francisco. So And a cool venue. You. I mean, a great venue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. I feel like I'm back in the Prohibition days, right? I mean, this is great. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks everybody. everybody. Bankadelic is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.